As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to a very special episode of the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've actually got Rob sitting here with me. Uh, and it's because this is a, as I said, a special episode. It is our 100th anniversary episode and by anniversary i mean we've just had 100 episodes so just our 100 episode right so uh it's been good and uh we're gonna talk about we'll get to that a little bit later we'll reminisce a little bit at the end so if like if you just came for the sports and don't really care about us that's cool and you can just quit at the end (laughs) of the podcast but uh but yeah we're gonna talk about unc we're gonna look ahead to the rest of the schedule and maybe do some ncaa tournament talk and of course, we'll talk about uh, this podcast and how cool it's been to do this for 100 times and how fun it's been over the past couple of years. So we're going to get into that. But before we start, we would like to talk about our sponsors, BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is sadly over. Sorry, Rob. But the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best place to cover your bets, and sign-up is free. Head to the website to use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Please use promo code armchair, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R at checkout. We are also sponsored by eBay sneakers. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you. So you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell your to sell or flip your collection. Whether the site's taking in as much as 25% of what you're going to have a lot of extra money left for, guess what? More sneakers. Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. (laughs) That's absurd. 
So let's just jump right into the, I would say probably the most vintage UVA basketball we've seen kind of this season, a real strangling of a UNC a team that frankly was getting pretty hot. I feel like they had reeled off some wins recently, but UVA beats them 60 to 48. It was just, it was pretty brutal to watch at times. And, you know, it made me feel good. It was like the teams of old where, you know, our offense was pretty decent. And then our defense was really good on Saturday. Rob, what were some of your thoughts before we get into the specifics? What were some of your thoughts about the game on Saturday? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, definitely a vintage performance. I mean, Virginia jumped out to, I think it was a 21 to four lead to start the game. So, I mean, that just screams, you know, vintage Virginia and Dickie V is screaming and talking about how, oh, you know, baby. <laughs> I love Dickie V in his own way. Um, but Dickie V is kind of talking about during the game, how this team is a little bit different and, you know, different build offensively. And he was all right. But, you know, if you just watch the game Saturday or yeah, Saturday night, you wouldn't have known. It's definitely a vintage performance as in the defense, you know, North Carolina, I think they got with a nine at one point, but mm-hmm. never never really was able to claw back you know it was a really impressive defensive uh performance no question you know weird thing is that diggy v actually said at one point that this was not like a vintage uva team with some of the better players that you know we've had in the past i think he's remembering the of course the championship year a couple years ago where we had three nba player four nba players really on that team if we're counting uh, Diakite, who is mm-hmm. currently in the G League, it ties in the G League too, but he got drafted. So I feel like he's remembering that. But we've got Jay Huff, who I think probably could be either drafted or he'll probably be signed at least. He'll get a shot, I think. I think he'll get a shot, especially because he's been shooting really well this year from deep. Sam Hauser, who is a pretty good college player, and he'll probably at least play overseas for a while, which should be fun to watch. And we've got just some other really good players as well. Uh, Trey Murphy seems to really be breaking out right now. He's getting really consistent from deep, and also he's playing some great defense as well. So, I I mean, I can understand how it's not like like a team of like superstars like we had a couple years ago uh, who are definitely going to be drafted, and you know they've been talking about getting drafted all year. You look at DeAndre Hunter; he's getting it was getting All Star votes and everything. But this is definitely a I would say more of a Virginia team than that team was. Like if we're talking about over the past 10 years or so, thinking about guys who maybe transfer in to get a second chance, talking about guys who are at UVA for five years and are better, they get better and better every year, looking at Jay Huff, uh, looking at good guard play and solid point guard play. I think this is probably the most vintage Virginia team we've had in a while. Yeah, and you know, there was an interesting athletic article. It was probably like a week or two ago, and they were just interviewing, uh, they kept the coaches' names anonymous, but just interviewing ACC coaches about other ACC teams. And I thought the quote about Virginia was pretty interesting. They were like, yeah, you know, this this kind of feels like the for the uh, this kind of feels like the first Tony Bennett team in a couple years that's just not loaded with pros, which mm. I hadn't really thought about. Like, you know, you go to the championship team the year before, like Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy. Mamadi Dikite, if you go back far enough, you had Joe Harris, you had Justin Anderson. And you look at this year's team, you know, 
you know, you hope Jay Huff can get there. You hope maybe Sam Hauser gets a shot. Trey Murphy, I think, will be, even though he's a year or so out. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of an interesting way to phrase it. But that said, you know, I think what we've seen with really, really good clarity, especially against North Carolina, is really just what this team is. This is a team that scores from the three through five positions, and we play with two point guards on the floor, in essence, to facilitate the three through five. And, you know, we saw, it was kind of interesting. We saw, I feel like, a bit more mover blocker um, mm-hmm. against North Carolina than we did previously in some of the other games. And we saw uh, Trey Murphy, actually, as the blocker and Hauser playing the three as the mover, kind of circling around. Um, but I think the identity of this team has become really clear. You know, Sam Hauser has become a good defender. Reese Beekman is kind of becoming the glue guy, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. not the main point guard, but he's getting the rebounds. He's getting assists, generally keeping turnovers pretty low. And our scores are Murphy, Hauser, and Huff. And you have two point guards on the floor to facilitate that. And defensively, I think this team has come a long, long way as well. So I it takes so much time each year to figure out what this team is. And, you know, we're still kind of figuring out how the bench is going to, like, finalize, you know, how Tomas gets in there. Is Casey going to be able to carve out a role or be consistent enough offensively to keep a role? Anyway, but, like, I feel like we finally know what the starting five is, at least. You know, two distributors and three scorers. It's just inverted from the way most teams are. Yeah, this team is incredibly balanced. It's become much more balanced than it had been previously. You know, the offense at the beginning of the year, super hot, and the defense was not hot. And then at this point, we've kind of evened out a little bit as time has gone on. I think that's been a nice thing for, for this team because, you know, at the beginning, you know, we, we saw at the very first game, Trey Murphy comes out, hits, hits what, six threes? How many? Yeah, and, a lot. And we were like, oh, this team's good. We're good to go. And then, of course, you know, we lose to San Francisco. We lose to Gonzaga pretty badly. And I think my guess is that this team has focused a lot on defense and, you know, trying to hide the flaws of some of the defenders on the floor you know, for the first, not for the first time, but for some of the time on Saturday, we were double teaming North Carolina's yep. bigs, which we haven't been doing a lot of this season. I think probably because we've been having trouble rotating and and getting to the backside, and you know, just with with the size of our of our forwards, you know, we've got Sam Hauser, who's probably a little bit undersized at the four position, and or at least he's he, he's not really strong on the block. Mm-hmm. He's not the traditional like Tony Bennett, athletic defender, Darion Atkins, a Gill, right. Isaiah Wilkins, Mamadi. Dikite. Yeah. Right. And so if you're looking at him like that, he's not that. He is a very prolific shooter, a very good scorer, and a really good rebounder too. Jay Huff, also uh, an odd shape for a five probably. He's super skinny. He's definitely gotten more muscular over time, but still gets put, can get pushed around a little bit down low. I think that with, with what they thought with North Carolina's bigs is double them, don't let them be able to pass out of it, and then we'll get um, we'll be just make sure the rotations get there. And luckily, our guards and uh, Trey Murphy too did a good job of rotating to the other guys, getting there, um, making them throw up some bad shots. North Carolina only shot twelve point five percent. They were two of sixteen from three. And then they were 34.5% overall shooting and only scoring 48 points. First time 
North Carolina didn't have a double-digit score in a very long time. I don't remember the exact date, but I, I remember seeing that. Yeah, well, I mean, the dates kept getting longer because I know <laughs> like ESPN came out with a stat that's like, this is the first time they haven't had a double-digit score in like at least 25 years. And then another stat came out, and it was like since 70-something. And then I think mm-hmm. I saw something since like 60-something. So mm-hmm. like a long time. And yeah, you know, like another one of these stats, you know, there were a bunch of these that came out after the game. Um, UVA is the first program to defeat North Carolina seven consecutive times since NC State won eight against them from 1972 to 1975. How about this? I love this. Uh, this was from ACC men's basketball on Saturday with tonight's win against UNC. Tony Bennett becomes just the third coach in ACC men's basketball history to lead his program to 10 straight winning conference seasons, joining Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski. Like I I had a lot of friends, you know, some from high school too, that, you know, beating Carolina means a lot to them in basketball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it might be like Duke. I feel like the game's a bit been a bit more contentious lately. At times, I feel like we kind of forget almost how big a rivalry this is just because it has been so one sided a long time. I mean, North Carolina hasn't beat UVA at home since 2012. I mean, we were in high school the last time that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think this really was probably, you know, maybe the signature win of the season just because it was it was so grinded out but it also felt like kind of smooth like it just felt like vintage virginia basketball you know there's a couple teams that have really struggled against uva since around 13 14 season when uva really started to come into the national spotlight north carolina has been one of them uh louisville has been one of them as well louisville's really struggled to beat uva really good teams really yes could not beat UVA. really good louisville teams just ran into a brick wall of really good UVA teams and uh Pitt as well. Pitt struggled to beat UVA as well. So three like pretty good teams in general have really struggled against this team. Now, of course you, you could say the same thing for UVA. We've struggled to beat Duke yeah. during that same time. And so I think it's just interesting how UNC has fallen seven straight times. And that what, what's that over like four seasons, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Since since our fourth year, um, was it the the Cal by Cal guys freshman season? Yeah, because they beat us on the road, and then we beat them, a top ten team, mm-hmm. North Carolina and JPJ. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just think that's an interesting thing to look at. Is you know what teams are good against other teams, and why can you know why can we not beat Duke, but we can beat North Carolina every year when usually they split that series pretty evenly. I think it's just an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, no question. I mean, like, I, I know Mike Bray. Notre Dame struggled recently, mm-hmm. but they had some good teams. And Mike Bray was talking about how they can never beat Virginia. Um, Jim Christian just got fired at Boston College. Right. They, there was a couple of close games in there. but Right. We you, always you know, struggle against Boston College. Yeah. You know, Florida State's always a closer game than it sometimes is, yep. it should be. Uh, you know, speaking of Florida State, we played them tonight. That's going to be a great game, top 20 matchup. Uh, I'm excited. We'll talk about that later. But... I, I just like looking at this and, you know, seeing who struggles against who. And, you know, I think it's really interesting that, you know, UNC's struggled to beat us because I feel like, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense because UNC's built inside out a lot of times. And UNC often has really good big men down low. Their guard play over the last couple of years has been kind of spotty to say the least, you know, mm-hmm. um, Cole Anthony comes in last year, highly touted freshman, doesn't quite, you know, 
he's really good, but the team is not great around him. And, you know, if you're not going to be able to shoot outside, if you're not going to be able to overshoot Virginia's defense, you're going to have a tough time beating them down low. Um, And so that's what I think UNC's just kind of run into a buzzsaw of Virginia teams that have been really good at defending the paint. Definitely. I mean, heck, even this year's team, which isn't the best at defending the paint, right? You know, they we surrendered more points in the paint than we scored ourselves. Yeah. But you know, our three pointing made the difference. Three yeah. point shooting, that is. Um, that's kind of like something I want to talk about as we get into uh, this game against North Carolina on Saturday, in particular. Is like like we said earlier, we kind of know what the starting five is now. We kind of know how it operates. You know, two distributors are two point guards, and we have three bigger guys who can score and they can all shoot from three really well, actually. Um, but the six man, the six man has kind of like, you know, ebbed and flowed like some games and beat Shedrick. And it, it's a good mm-hmm. thing. It looks like Shedrick's back now, yeah. um, which is a good development. Um, you know, some games it was Casey Morsell and Casey Morsell actually started some games earlier in the year. Uh, but more recently it's been Tomas Waldetensai, which I like. You know, he's kind of a streaky shooter. You know, against mm-hmm. North Carolina, he played 20 minutes. He was one for five from the field, one for four from three. Um, you know, that was his only points was that one three-point basket. But at the same time, Tomas kind of gives you, you know, the only real, you know, high octane is not really the right word, but he's kind of like the only, you know, guard that kind of scares you from a defensive standpoint as far as scoring goes, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, and he's been, you know, more of the six man the past few games. You know, he played 20 minutes against North Carolina. Uh, no other player off the bench played more than eight minutes. That was Casey Morsell, actually. So what do you think about this? Do you think Tomas has kind of solidified the spot as the six man? Do you think it'll vary based on matchups? You know, now that we know the starting lineup, you know, how, how does the rest of the rotation kind of go from here? You know, I think that's a really interesting point. I I think to make it easy on myself, it's going to depend on the game. But <laughs> it's I'll, all matchups. I, it's, all match-up, it's all matchups. It's all matchups. I'll explain myself, though, because, you know, Walda Tensai, as you said, is, is, is kind of known as a streaky shooter. Tomas has been known to go on and off throughout his years. You know, think about last year. Uh, against UNC or against a, a team like I think it was Pitt maybe where he went off for maybe six or se- seven or eight threes mm-hmm. in that Something game like that, yeah and so he but you know today he was one of four so and the one he hit was like some ridiculous shot oh, yeah, over crazy some yeah. defender it was like fading away right like- right so if you're gonna if you're going to have a guy out there shooting that kind of shot I'd prefer Tomas as opposed to Casey. Uh, you know, Casey at this point in the season, you know, it, in the middle of the season, it seems like he got his confidence up a little bit. He was shooting well. He was playing well. He was playing good defense, still playing good defense, but, you know, his shooting kind of dipped back down a little bit, unfortunately. The thing about Casey, I think he he never, there, there's no shot he doesn't like. I think Casey is willing to take any shot he sees that's open. Um, and I think, part of his development is letting him know, you know, when do you attack and when do you keep the ball moving? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the thing, you know, cause Casey loves those like fadeaway baseline long twos. And those are frustrating because some, if they go in, it's like, Oh, that's great. What a great he, shot. Casey's back. He's got his confidence. He's back, back baby. But like other times it just clanks off the rim. And it's like, man, like I feel like we could have gotten a better shot on that, on that possession. 
But I think that the other thing about Tomas is he's more experienced. He's played a lot more than Casey at this point in his career. Tomas does not, he is not, he didn't turn the ball over on Saturday. He had two rebounds. He only had one foul. He knows the defense pretty well as well. I think with with Casey, you've got a more probably agile defender who can guard a different type of player. But if, you know, North Carolina's guards didn't seem to want to do anything. North Carolina's basing it, trying to get it into the big man. You know, they had three big men who were really um, trying to do all the scoring. Uh, Baycott, Garrison Brooks, and, uh, of course, Walker Kessler, who was actually a recruit for that UVA wanted for a while until North Carolina kind of pulled him away. Walker Kessler was their leading scorer with nine points in only 11 minutes. So they were really trying to feed it inside, and it just wasn't quite working out for them. The guards really weren't doing anything at all. They're, um, you know, uh, Caleb Love, their five-star freshman point guard, was 0 of 3 from 3, 2 of 9 from the field, only four points, uh, when, and only three assists as well in 25 minutes. Uh, tough showing for him, and, you know, I think our guards did a lot. I think Beekman was guarding him most of the time, actually, but, like, our guards in general did a really good job of frustrating North Carolina's people. Definitely. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think, like you said, it's kind of depend, going to kind of vary game by game, and, you know, this was actually a game where our starters played a lot. You know, Kihei played 34 minutes. Reese Beekman played 32. Sam Hauser played 36. Jay Huff played 34, which is great. If Jay Huff stays out of foul trouble, you hope mm-hmm. he can play that. Um, and yeah, kind of unusual. Trey Murphy played the least amount of minutes of the starters with yeah. 25 minutes. Um, he was largely replaced by Tomas in that lineup. Um, so, you know, it is going to vary by game. You know, with Shedrick presumably back now i think one thing we are going to see is we're going to see kafaro's minutes decrease potentially almost to none mm-hmm. and we're going to see shedrick kind of fill in that primary role as jay huff's backup um so i think that's kind of safe to say at the in the front court at least but yeah you know in the back court i do think it's going to vary a little bit you know i'd be excited if tomas can really seize that role if we can get 15 20 minutes out of tomas a game good minutes you know even if he's not hitting his shots like he was against north carolina um you know i think he's developed to the point where he can play more consistently on the defensive end and you know i'm not saying he's a better defender than casey morsell but you know if you keep his offensive potential out there i think you're willing to accept a slight decrease in defense um so that said though i mean you get a big guard or maybe you get a guard that you know, is really hot and you need to put someone on them, I can see Casey still having a role as well. Yeah, you know, and I'm actually going to push back a little bit. I think I would actually prefer if Shedrick was the sixth man, like, who's getting the most minutes. Okay. I yeah. feel like if if we're able to, you know, rest Hauser or rest Huff a little bit more, save them a little bit for the end of the season, while still getting probably our best, honestly, probably our best big defender is Shedrick at this point. I would put him. I would rather put him on someone than Huff. Like Huff is great, and he's great in recovery and blocking shots. But I think Shedrick is the best on-ball defender. Now he did have three fouls on Saturday. I'm I'm not gonna hold that against him. He hasn't played in a long time. Those are some very talented big men. UNC has as he gets bigger and as he gets back in more game speed. I feel like you know, especially moving on the next year and the years after that. I feel like it gets a lot easier for him to 
to do that and to make you know make sure he doesn't foul on those things. But I think Shedrick's our best big defender, and I think that if we come up across like you know in the tournament, if we come across like a like a Garza, for example, like mm-hmm. Huff, like Shedrick's gonna need to play a lot. And honestly, Kafaro is probably the best matchup there you know, until he fouls out. But I think Shedrick might honestly have the best chance because Garza is just going to eat Huff alive down low. It's not because Huff's a bad defender. It's just Garza is just so much stronger than him down low. Shedrick's not much bigger than Huff, but I think his instincts are a little bit better, especially when it comes to shot blocking uh, a big man, mm-hmm. for example. I think, um, you know, there's one point where Shedrick got a at least a deflection or, or made a, a good play on the ball against a big man. There's like three pump fakes, but he just kept his feet on the ground until it actually went up. Uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him continue to develop, get back to game speed so that he can be more of a factor moving forward. Definitely. I mean, his ceiling is so high. I mean, that's the thing we kind of have to remember with this entire team is, you know, the starting lineup with the exception of uh, Reese Beekman is all upperclassmen. But you look at the guys that, weren't able to crack the rotation this year, you know, I still think, I think it speaks more to the players we have on court than, you know, the ability of the players who aren't on the court, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jabri Adur Rahim, you know, you hope Carson McCorkle is going to be a really great shooter. Uh, Caden Shedrick could legit be an all ACC type player by the time things are said and done. So certainly a lot of talent, um, you know, on this bench that, you know, that was the thing at the beginning of the season. How are we going to play all these guys? We do have right. so many guys. I mean, our roster makeup, if you just look at the recruiting rankings, you know, this is one of the best, you know, pure roster builds that Tony Bennett has ever coached. Um, but what we've seen is how, you know, as it always does, it consolidates into a, call it a seven person, maybe eight on occasion, um, rotation. And, you know, that's what we've seen the development of this year. And that's what we were all excited about, right? I mean, that's what I was really, you know, like, how Jabri Abdul-Rahim came in with so much hype. You know, how do we get him on the floor? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, McCoy had so much hype going into the season. You know, like, how is McCoy going to fit in? And, you know, we've just seen some really good players, um, you know, just not, not. I don't want to say not crack the rotation, but essentially just not become part of the rotation when this team is best. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, that's the thing is like, and this always happens with Virginia teams, the rotation really shrinks come ACC time, it becomes very predictable who's going to come in and who's not. So, you know, at this point, our starting five is probably not going to change the rest mm-hmm. of the season unless there's an injury or, or a suspension or COVID or something like that. I think that, you know, we're probably going to see Casey or Tomas come off the bench first. Maybe Shedrick if if Huff gets an early foul or something like that because Tony likes to yank him as soon as he gets a foul, which I think is smart. I just I, I think that we're, we're pretty much set in our ways now, and we we pretty much at this point are going to know who's going to come in when during this game, and I like that. I like the consistency because at the beginning of the season it was super weird. It was like, okay, how are we going to play eleven guys who legit? Yeah, we thought real. at the time we thought had a shot to play. You know, you're talking about Kafaro. Wait, how how is he going to get minutes? You know, when is McCoy going to get minutes? When is Jabri Abdur Rahim our, you know, best recruit in a long time going to yeah. get minutes? We had Cody Statman in there too. The right. The yeah, game. Cody was was healthy and and still playing. So I I feel like we at this point it's more comforting. That's a good problem to have is like too oh, many yeah. good players. Yep. But 
it's more it's even more comforting now it's like okay we know it's consistent and i think it's good for the players too it's more consistent that way so you're not just like you're not having players thinking oh am i going to get you know 20 minutes tonight or am i am i going to get 2 minutes tonight and i think that was happening a lot at the beginning of the season and i think that this is more stable definitely i mean it it's also a mindset thing too if you're a player and you know that your spot is up for grabs i mean going into the season you know that 2 and 3 spot really seemed like anybody could play there you had like five or six guys competing for that so once the rotation is set you can focus more on cohesion working together as opposed to actually competing for the spot so i'm sure those competitions will be red hot again at the beginning of next season yeah but um yeah this is where you want to be right now in the season yeah i think you know talking about unless you have more stuff to talk about with the rotation i'd like to move on to our schedule moving forward of course we're recording this on president's day monday it is it's like four so we've got like less than three hours to the fsu game <laughs> not an <laughs> ideal time to record because we're not going to be able to talk about it honestly some of you will probably listen to this after the game so we're not really going to talk about it and you know hopefully we we win and that'll be probably our best win of the season by far if we do win if we lose it just kind of solidifies the same kind of the narrative that's been tossed around a little bit is that UVA is good but doesn't have any good wins so far mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are saying our best win so far is at clemson who at the time was ranked number 12 but has since you know <laughs> imploded <I think. laughs> yeah and you know we we beat a unc team that's uh, frankly very much on the bubble we're gonna play at fsu that, that's probably our last chance to play a team that has really good tournament hopes until the ACC tournament and you know who knows who we're going to play there yeah I mean I would say you know knowing knowing how Duke works and how our rivalry with them goes not surprise me if Duke gives us a very very good game yeah. next Saturday yeah. um, especially they had a bunch of close games and they beat NC State pretty bad so we'll see about that but uh, yeah I mean I will be excited to play Louisville um, you know this is kind of like going into the season, we thought this was kind of like the meat of the schedule. Like you always talked about, and I always agree, you know, like that North Carolina, Duke, Florida State stretch. Um, yeah, so obviously we'll see how it goes tonight against Florida State. I guess you'll see how well we actually know the team after listening to this and be like, did that happen against Florida State? Right. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, it is an intriguing um, end of the season. And it's sad. There's only five regular season games left. Yeah. And of course, we'll have the tournament, hopefully, and the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. But yeah, you, the season's ending pretty soon. Do you know if the ACC is planning on rescheduling some of the games that got canceled due to COVID? Like, we had, we're missing a Louisville game. We're missing a Virginia Tech game. We're probably missing a couple. Uh, I know there's a, they, a, a Wake Forest game that we didn't play. Because we were supposed to play them twice. Yeah. At this point, I don't think any makeups are going to happen. I just okay. think it's too difficult. And, you know, we're seeing kind of the narrative is shifting at college basketball as a whole from making up games to how are we going to play the tournament? Just the getting conference to the tournament. tournament. Yeah. Well, yeah. And in order to get to the NCAA tournaments, the question becomes how do you play the conference tournament safely? So, you know, this year, um, or sorry, this past week, the NCAA came out with a ruling that essentially said, like, listen, it's up to the conferences to determine how they want to do their auto bid. So, you know, 
typically conferences give their tournament champion the auto bid to the NCAA tournament. Mm. Um, but that essentially gives teams the flexibility or conferences the flexibility if they don't want to play their tournament out of caution before the NCAA tournament. Maybe they give the auto bid to the regular season champion or something like that. So Kind of like the ACC last year, just yeah. giving the championship to Florida <laughs> Congrats, State. Congrats, Florida State. Right. <laughs> but yeah, the narrative has shifted. And honestly, as that narrative has shifted, I think the focus is pretty much gone from rescheduling these games. I mean, heck, we have less than a month until the ACC tournament. I just don't see how these games are going to get made up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was just, you know, I was thinking, and this was probably before the the NCAA tournament and the ACC tournament had venues booked and everything, and I think that'd be a pain in the butt to reschedule and everything. But if the NCAA said, hey, let's extend the season I think this was a possibility earlier that some people were floating around, but let's extend the season at like three weeks, four weeks, let everyone get healthy, and then we can reschedule some of those games. And yeah, that's just, that's what I was thinking. I think that would be fine. Honestly, at this point, I agree. I agree with you. I think they're just trying to get to the tournament to make some money and, you know, in the the season. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's been so many games canceled this season and a lot of positive tests as well for different players and different teams but i feel like if they get to the tournament that'll be better because it will be in a bubble situation in indianapolis and i think it'll be a fun kind of thing where all the teams are in one spot yeah definitely i mean heck i want the tournament so bad i mean tournaments like the first weekend of the tournament that you know what right. thursday friday is just unreal yeah you take some days off of work oh absolutely absolutely i remember i had to tell my boss last year like i took those days off and I, the tournament gets canceled yeah I'm like, yeah i'm actually i can work hey, can those I, days can now I, take, can I, get those <laughs> I don't days need to back? take those back <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, you know it's so weird thinking about and this is going off on a covid tangent but thinking <laughs> about last year when we were in the what were we the two seed in the ACC tournament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were trying. We were going to get a bid, probably going to be a four seed or a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Even with our the worst offense I've ever seen in the in that the universe, that's bad. And the best defense I've ever seen out of a Virginia team. I think it's it's just good to reflect on what the year has been like since then. You know, we had that period of time without any sports. And then all we had was Korean baseball for like a week. And then Cornhole came on ESPN (laughs) for a while. And then, of course, we had the NBA bubble, which was really fun to watch. And football came back. That worked out pretty well, I think. How many NFL games? Were any NFL games canceled? I don't think any were canceled. Uh, the NFL. They, oh, they, mo- they moved they a lot. Moved, yeah, they moved they some moved games. Because I know, yeah, I mean, Washington had some Monday or Tuesday games. I, I feel like Steelers it was mostly did. Pittsburgh's fault. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> it was like they were playing on Wednesdays and Tuesdays all yeah. for half the season. But no, I don't think any games, any NFL games were canceled, which that's, is really remarkable. That's pretty honestly. impressive. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. And, you know, the, I, I know, I mean, y- there was a ton of college football games canceled you know uva had a fair share at the beginning well we had like four different starting openers yeah and then the florida state game yeah and, uh another game got i think louisville got moved up a week so I'm like, yeah. yeah there were a couple but yeah it's just interesting to think about it's gonna be almost a year 
probably when the ACC tournaments are about to start. It's going to be like midway through March when when everything just kind of stopped happening. Uh, I think it's just interesting to think about and, you know, kind of a strange time in our lives to, you know, we'll be remembering this forever. And, you know, it's a year past. How does sports look now? And how are sports going to be changed over the next couple of years as we kind of, you know, fall out from this? I think it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no question. Um, I I also think that's a really good transition to kind of this other thing we wanted to talk about. Um, deviating kind of, you know, away a bit from directly to UVA, even though we'll still talk about UVA a bit here. Um, it's just the NCAA coming out over the weekend with their top 16 seeds. Mm-hmm. So they put Virginia at number nine, which would be the top three seed. Um, you know, just watching college game day Saturday morning, there was kind of some interesting reactions to Virginia. I know Jay Billis, like you said, you know, some of the people talking about how UVA really hasn't played anyone. Jay Billis was kind of, you know, pushing the same narrative that he thought Virginia was high. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone can still stand Jeff Goodman on Twitter, I'm sure <laughs> Jeff Goodman thinks we're a bit too high. Yeah. Um, but hey, I mean, we're ranked number seven in the AP poll that came out today. Where, what do you make of Virginia's ranking at number nine, um, top three seed in the tournament as of Saturday? So what I say to everyone else is like, who else do you put there? Like at this point, I feel like there's, I feel like the parity in college basketball this season is so large. There's some, the, the Gonzaga and Baylor are far and away the best teams in the conference or in sorry in the nation if they don't meet in the title game i will frankly be shocked because at this point they're they're playing they're both playing so well mm-hmm. i think that the couple after them you know we're looking at like a michigan ohio state illinois even iowa who's lost some games they're still they've got really good teams and frankly they're also you know doing pretty like pretty well overall uh, even though you know the big 10 is kind of eating itself alive at this point um but but then like you drop off you've got like on the three like for example the other three seeds in this tournament would be texas tech tennessee west virginia and of course virginia the four seeds are texas at this point texas usc wisconsin and iowa like, I just don't know at this point if anyone is better than what we've put out. And I think that we've been so consistent over the past couple of weeks, you know, except for the eight-minute stretch against Tech where we decided yeah. to uh, stop playing basketball for a little bit and just ran around the court for a little bit. That was frustrating. But, you know, besides that small section, we've been doing really well. And I think that we haven't played anyone because there's no one to play. You know, the ACC is so down this year. We don't really have a chance to play anyone. We, we would in a usual year be playing a good Duke team, good North Carolina team, pretty good Louisville teams. Pitt Syracuse had a down is having a down year as well. Florida state's good. And they're honestly going to be our biggest challenge. Clemson was good, but now they're not. It's, it's not always up to us to play, <laughs> to schedule these good games. You know, we get crushed by Gonzaga. That's not good. Uh, Arizona State, we didn't, we didn't play them. Nope. That was last year. I'm sorry. Um, That's but, the Casey Marcel game. Yeah. Uh, we were supposed to play Michigan State, but they're no longer good anymore. 
Uh, it's just Villanova you know, was a possibility. Villanova, we were supposed to play, but we couldn't play them because of COVID. I think you know we tried to play a good schedule, and you know the two games that we've lost that we that would have really helped Gonzaga and Tech, not bad losses by any means. The game, I think this makes the Florida State game even more important. Definitely, tonight. I mean, especially to the you know to the Jay Billis crowd that mm-hmm. thinks we haven't played anyone. I don't know. I'm like he's not wrong. He's not, he's wrong. not wrong. But it's also like when when I heard you say that, the first thing that came to my mind was um, Dabo Sweeney, because <laughs> mm-hmm. this is what Dabo says every year. It's like, yeah, we're really good. Maybe Virginia's not at that level in basketball. It comes in into <laughs> football, but Dabo's like up on the podium saying like, "Why are you guys mad at me? We just beat who we played." You yeah. know, um, and it's kind of the thing with college sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're kind of dependent on who you play you know, by your conference. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, as a whole, I think you're totally right. I mean, who else are you going to put there? I mean, Virginia has won, you know, however many, like eight of the past nine, nine of the past 10, whatever it is, games. Um, you know, Virginia has played well. You know, they dip, they climb their way back up. You know, we kind of mm-hmm. saw at the beginning of the season what we were fourth preseason, mm-hmm. and then we fell to like 20-something, yeah. and then now we're back up. Back you know, up like, seven. it's not like people are just pegging Virginia there. I think, as a whole, I think most UVA fans will agree, like, when you watch us, we don't we don't feel like the number seven team in the country, necessarily. Right. But at the same time, you know, this is a year when Duke really isn't all that good, when Kentucky really isn't any good. You know, North Carolina's not that good. You know, all these typical programs that are up there just really aren't, you know? And like you said, you know, Baylor and Gonzaga, kind of the one A, one B, if you will, of uh, the season. So yeah. it's it's a different dynamic than we're used to. And at this point, you know, everything works itself out. You know, we'll see in the conference tournaments, and once you get past the first weekend of March, you know, we'll we'll kind of get a better feel for there once we get past the upsets. And, but yeah, I mean, it's, this isn't Virginia's fault. And you know, you know, you know I also say that a lot. I think a lot of media people are over the they're they're against betting against tony bennett so if tony bennett's in charge of this team they've seen it this two years in a row really i guess you know going back to the umbc year even you know we were dominant that year as well for most of it really dominant that year uh lose the umbc come back and win the tournament next year with a really good team as well and then the year after you know we lose three guys to the nba and Jack Salt, who honestly was, you know, team leader, defensive stud, stuff like that. And we come back and we're second in the ACC again after being pegged to be, you know, fifth or sixth or something like that. So we were going to make the tournament, probably make some people's lives miserable, maybe not make it all the way to the final four again. But, you know, we they were doing a lot better than people thought this year. Same deal, you know, kind of a weird year. I think a lot of the stuff is thrown out the window this year this year but still a really good uva team that's dominating people on defense and when you hold a team that's as prestigious as north carolina to 48 points uh and really i think it's less than 51 over the past four three games that we've played them there's a really weird stat like that i believe that it's um, certainly last year's games right and i think that it it just wakes people up it's like oh this team this is still a good team it's probably not as good as some of the other teams in the country but they're good and we're not betting against tony bennett anymore 
Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. Like you said, really, you know, Duke is the only team consistently in the ACC where we really struggle again. I mean, if you want to throw out a Michigan State from the tournaments, you know, several years ago, you could Mm -hmm. too. But yeah, I mean, Virginia, Virginia takes care of business, man. Yeah. And um, I do want to talk about the rest of the ACC in the NCAA tournament, how many teams are going to make it. But first, I do want to talk about our sponsors, Bet Online. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. It has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the code armchair at checkout. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We're also sponsored by eBay Sneakers. From rare dead stocks to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators. Got it. Oh, that's a word. It's a big word. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they pay us the big bucks. Authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you so you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Whether the site's taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money for it. You guessed it, more sneakers. Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. All right, so we've talked about kind of the tournament in general a little bit. I want to talk about some of the ACC teams that are probably going to make the tournament as well. The um, There's probably three locks at this point, I would say. And I would say Virginia, Florida State, and Virginia Tech are probably all going to make it unless there's some disasterly collapse for either of those teams, although I doubt that's going to happen because the, uh, you know, Virginia's only lost three games, Florida State's only lost three games, and Tech's only lost four games. But after that, it gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, Rob, if there, how many teams from the ACC do you think are going to make the tournament, just based off of you know what you're looking at right now? Yeah, well, I'm looking at Joe Lenardi's page right now. Right. Joe Lenardi says six. <laughs> um, so we'll start with that as a baseline. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Virginia, Florida state and Virginia tech are, you know, quote unquote locks. Um, then, you know, I see Louisville and North Carolina as probables at Mm -hmm. this point. Um, but at the same time, like you said, anything can change, you know, North Carolina could lose a couple in a row. Same with Louisville. Um, but yeah, you know, those, those are like the five that I have in, uh, you know, that I think most confidently of now, Lenardi, the other team he has in there is Clemson. Um, he has Clemson as an eight seed right now, which I think is kind of interesting, you know, considering how far uh, they fell off, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least since UVA just beat the tar out of them yeah. a month and a half ago. So, um, yeah, but, you know, looking, just looking at the ACC, my two cents is I would say five are probable. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think five, maybe. I feel like Clemson could make it, you know, Syracuse has a good record, but they haven't really beaten anyone. Mm -hmm. And the one team I really wish would make it would be 
uh, Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech's come a long way this season. I kind of like I like their team. I think they're fun. They're pretty scrappy. Uh, Alvarado's like a baller, just really good player. And uh, but but you know they just don't have the the win totals. You know they've lost five, six ACC games so far, and they're six and six in the ACC, ten and eight overall. And unfortunately, their two non conference losses are against Georgia State and mercer and not good teams and you know they lost to georgia state i think it was a that was a crazy game that was a four overtime game that they played so just an insane game and then mercer they lost the next game so i think it's just it's tough to put them in there with that kind of schedule but i like where they're playing they're i think seventh in the acc right now in terms of uh or eighth, they're eighth, sorry, excuse me, in the ACC right after Syracuse. So I like where they're going. You know, I think the only way they can get in is if they win the tournament, but I'm just, you know, I, I like where they're headed. And I think, I don't think Pastner is a good coach. I just think that their team is, you know, pretty good this year. Yeah, I mean, Pastner's been there a while. This mm-hmm. isn't like a up-and-coming thing. Um, no, but I'm with you. I mean, definitely, definitely credit where credit due is due to um, Georgia Tech, which, you know, who would have thought coming in in the season they'd be tied with Duke in the middle of the ACC standings, right. both at six and six. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Georgia Tech has played some teams very well, uh, Virginia included. Uh, so the other teams that usually make the tournament but probably won't this season from the ACC is Duke, of course, and Syracuse, who is, I feel like, always an eleven seed in always. the tournament oh they're and always sneaking their way they're in. All, they always sneak their way in somehow is there a way that syracuse could sneak their way in i don't know if you know how closely you followed syracuse this season but like they they haven't really beaten anyone their best win is against virginia tech who we didn't beat uh they don't really have any bad losses they've lost to they lost to Rutgers, who's a good team their ACC losses are Pitt twice, UNC, us, and Clemson. Mm-hmm. So there's no bad losses. There's just no good wins. It's kind of like us, except we're a much better team than them. Yeah, I mean, if you're, what, 6th, 7th in the ACC, most years that's good enough to get into the tournament. Right. It's just a down year for the conference, you know, not having Duke traditionally up there. You know, Notre Dame hasn't been up there for a few years, but yeah. there were a couple of years Notre Dame was up there. Pitt, too. Um, Pitt, you know, you could even throw NC State in there. NC State sometimes will get close. Miami. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, half the ACC, yeah. <laughs> with the exception of Boston College. Poor Jim Christian. Oh, uh, yeah, just got fired today. Yeah, rough, rough look. But, um, like, should have happened a couple of years ago, probably. Well, I was reading an article earlier today. I forget who wrote it, but um, it might have been Mike Barber. But basically, they were saying, not to go off on a completely different tangent, but <laughs> How is Boston College going to hire another coach? I mean, they've been right. so bad for so long. Yeah. They basically told Jim Christian, hey, you guys are going to play with four scholarship players <laughs> against Florida yeah. State until Florida State had to cancel the game. It wasn't right. even Boston College that canceled that game. Um, just It seems like they just rake that team over the coals consistently from yeah. an administrative standpoint. So yeah. good luck finding a new coach, I guess. Was Jim Christian the coach when they went winless in basketball? Or did- when was that? Because what he's been there six or seven years, I think seven years. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna Google it real quick. Okay, 
but yeah, like I just feel like I just feel like it's it's been too long. Oh yeah, for I mean, that kind of you knew that was never going to turn around, right? You know, not to say I know the ins and outs of Boston College basketball, but yeah. never felt like they ever got any sort of momentum going within that program. Okay, so for the people playing the game out there, what year do you think Boston College went? And remember, they went winless in men's basketball and football that season in the ACC. Um, man, I'll go. I'll guess twenty fifteen. It was 2016. Okay. Yeah, so he was definitely the coach then. Okay. So they allowed that to happen, and then he still stayed five more years. That's crazy. I mean, that's like Mike London, man. We kept right. the poor man around forever. No, I know. I know. I just I just think, you know, it's it's just crazy. But, like, and that was the year that with, I don't know if you remember this, the the really sad interview with the, with the I think it was a center for Boston College. He was a senior. And he was like, what, what were your memories of Boston College? He's like, you know, getting food with my teammates and stuff like that. I just really a Jeez. sad, sad interview at the end. Um, yeah. Anyway. So. <laughs> anyway, Boston College is not making. The they're tournament. not making. We'll see tournament. if they can hire a basketball coach, but definitely won't be in the tournament this no, year. Definitely will not be in the tournament. Yeah, I just think I feel like this is how the Pac-12 feels all the time. You know, Conference they have a champions. lot of really bad teams and some okay teams, and then like one really good team. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year, I think the ACC probably has three pretty good teams. There's no really good teams this year in the ACC, mm-hmm. and I think most of them are just pretty average so far. And you know, honestly, most of the ACC is within at least one game of 500. You know, you're looking at Pitt, Notre Dame, Duke, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, North Carolina, and Clemson, all in the middle of the pack, all within one game of 500. At least, and, you know, uh, North Carolina and Clemson are two games ahead of 500. Well, that's the thing. The middle of the pack is so jumbled. You know, Virginia, right. as we speak, has a two-and-a-half game lead. That could change depending on what happens tonight. Which is um, crazy. Like, that's a huge oh, lead. Oh, yeah, it's huge. I mean, we're 11-1. and one. Florida State, from winning percentage, they've played less games. as 7-2. and two. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, you know, spots, what, call it, two through ten, basically, mm-hmm. are within three games of each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. And then, you know, Wake and Miami and BC just fall yeah. right <laughs> off. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy year in the ACC. And I, I'm looking forward to when the ACC is back. And I don't know if this is just a COVID thing or if, you know, generally it's just down this year. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think we're a year away from knowing, obviously, with COVID. Course, Hopefully yeah. with COVID. Um, but... I think really the most interesting thing here is kind of, I would say, Duke kind of by and large, but also just kind of the whole idea of one and dones in general. You know, Mm -hmm. we're seeing, um, you know, with more options for players, you know, kind of, you know, Coach K and Cal, you know, have they lost a step? Is this just not their best roster? But how do they develop players? You know, we're dealing with a lot of variables right now that we've kind of seen coming for some time. Um, But at the same time, this is the first year they've really manifested themselves into some not great teams even though even when there's talent so Mm -hmm. i'm curious to see how next year you know maybe a better top half of the recruiting class at least um you know the 2021 guys maybe over the 2020 so i'm curious to see how it plays out next year but yeah i mean easy to say hopefully covid is you know much less of a problem next year um so easier to say you know yeah we'll we'll know a year from now but i do think there's some macro trends that we really need to see how they play out as far as 
one and done in roster development goes at kind of these top programs. Mm-hmm. I I kind of agree with you. I, I think honestly, COVID has a lot to do with it because these teams didn't have a chance to gel mm-hmm. before the season starts. I mean, this is n- not normal for Kentucky, but Kentucky oftentimes, you remember when they went to the national championship game a couple of years ago as an eighth seed, they really were pretty bad at the beginning of the season. And then over the course of the season, they got a lot better and then they made the tournament and they just cruised through the first uh, five games or whatever. And so I think I think with with some preseason stuff, I think it would have been a lot better. I also think this is just, you know, one of K's worst teams, honestly. Yep. Because, I agree, yeah. because you know, you don't have a, you know, talent like Zion on your team. You don't have, um, you know, the the leadership that you normally do. His team is so young. He starts three freshmen and two sophomores. So, and of course, they've had injuries as well. I think it's just tough overall to judge how good they could have been during the season. Although I, I still think, you know, having a team like Gonzaga or Baylor at the top instead of Kentucky or Duke just makes life so much better because it just shows that one and done is garbage and you should just develop players normally like everyone else. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting debate and I can tell you it's gotten traction on the message boards, you know, not so much the idea of one and dones, but you know, how do you, how do you go about building a roster around one and dones? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's obviously very little consistency or predictability with it, that. It's just so tough because, you know, you, you got a guy like, Henry Coleman is a great example, right? He's yep. he's at Duke right now, sitting at the end of the bench. He's not getting any playing time. If he goes to a place like Virginia Tech, which was you know one of his you know it was pretty much Duke, UVA, and Virginia Tech, I think who were that were mainly for him. If he goes to a place like Virginia Tech, you know he's playing pretty much right away for Mike Young. And at Duke, there's people ahead of him who are, you know, better on paper. But are they better for the team? Are they be- does Do they fit together, right? Because you can recruit all these great pieces, but if they don't mesh well, mm-hmm. that doesn't work out. Right? It doesn't work out. So I think what you're seeing at places like Duke is really good players who are not working well together. Because whether I don't know how K recruits to like, and we've you hear about this on recruiting trails a lot, like promising playing time promising starting stuff like that you know does k do that i don't know but my guess would be that he's recruiting players and playing them because that's what people expect to happen when you have five-star players you expect them to start right i think that's just what's happening and it's not working out well yeah and i mean not to go too far down this rabbit hole but you know the another great example you know like we've brought up kentucky before you know, Coach Cal's whole recruiting mindset is, you know, not, he's not, obviously he wants to win games once they're there, but his goal mm-hmm. isn't necessarily to win games. His goal is to get players to the NBA. So yeah. there'll be times where there'll be a junior, you know, for example, and he'll be, he might be the better player, but he's not going to play him because he's got this freshman that his goal is to get this freshman to the NBA next season. So he'll go that route. So anyway, you know, is I mean, heck, you talk about roster construction and Cal. I mean, is Cal even does he even care about roster construction? Right. You know, it's it's uh, you know we're at the very 
it's i guess what one and done has been going on for you know 10 20 years Mm -hmm. you know ever since the rule was implemented but now with the g league now with more international options um and you know and this year with not so much success out of the one and done teams it will be interesting to see if anything changes moving forward Well, you know because one and done is an nba rule exactly one and done is not a college basketball rule so one and done helps nba teams scout players more it has nothing to do with helping out kids it has nothing to do with helping out college basketball it has everything to do with nba wanting to see if these are actually good players now adam silver has come out re- like maybe last year said one and done is going to be gone and you know the 2020s at some point you know i don't know if he if there's a set date or if there's you know rule changes going through the nba my guess is not right now i guess they have some bigger stuff to worry about right now but I think that at some point it's going to go away. And when that happens, my hope is that there's a little bit more parity in college basketball moving forward. Because you're not going to have people like Zion and RJ Barrett and, you know, Cam Reddish, who wasn't even that good, on the same team. Yeah. Right? You know, you're going to get people spreading out more. You're going to get players who are staying uh, more teams who are having players stay for longer. You're going to have less of these dramatic jumps from you, know, you look at Duke Duke went from having maybe one of the best basketball teams of all time with Zion losing in the elite eight and then going to being a trash team two years later yep uh, same thing with Kentucky so like the year Kentucky went from winning the NCAA championship to losing the first round of the NIT so I think that when you get more parity across basketball It'll be more fun to watch. That's my hope. And, you know, but who knows when that will actually happen. Right? Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this for days. And yeah. there's literally professionals who talk about this for days. So. <laughs> right. so we don't need to do that. We're not professionals or anything like that. Um, but it is interesting. It, it is interesting. It's an interesting topic. And, I mean, hopefully it will happen sooner rather than later. But at this point, I think a lot of people are seeing, like, wow, you really need time with the freshmen especially if you're going to be starting all of them or you need at least a leader someone who actually knows what they're doing on the basketball court who's been there for four years like like duke last year javin delorier was a great leader for them i mean he wasn't their best player by far but he was a really solid defender great rebounder hustle player like typical duke player right yeah and he was a senior as well so he was able to lead that team of youngsters even though, you know, Vernon Carey got probably more minutes than him. Was that the right call for that team? Probably. But, you know, you need at least someone to be there. And at this point, I don't think Duke has that kind of player. Yeah, I would agree. Um, anything else? I don't want to talk about Duke anymore. Anything else you want to talk <laughs> about with tournament, Florida State game tonight? Anything else before we move on to... Hundred hundred years of guys and ties. God, hundred years. <laughs> uh, no, let, let's let's reflect a little bit, man. Let's reflect. So we started this. We're in season three now. Season three, for some reason, seasons begin in like self-proclaimed seasons. Season three begin. Season three is going to end in July. We started. We started in August, I think. August I remember our July. first episode was essentially like our first episodes were essentially: Is Bryce Perkins going to be any good? Yeah. So. Can yeah. Bryce, does Bryce Perkins <laughs> Can, know how to throw a football? Yeah, and he's on the Rams, so what do now we know? He's, now he's great, yeah, <laughs> so we don't know anything. To be fair, first game we saw him, 
uh, or one of the first games was at Indiana, and he could not throw a football. That was in that bad. Game. Well, also the Richmond game, Richmond, like one of yeah. his first throws was a pick, a pick six, six. Yeah. to a D lineman. <laughs> yeah. It's like how many Mike Rocco passes to D linemen have we seen? Right. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> so we've come, I think, a long way since then. Uh, we, we're doing. We've got ads now, which is great. Very true. We sold out. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't sell out for much, but we sold out. <laughs> hey, we're we're not losing money. That is true. Which is good. We, yeah, the ad revenue has surpassed the investment in equipment now. Exactly. So yeah, so we're we're ahead. We're ahead. You know, that's all you want in life. Just come out ahead. <laughs> but we're not in them for the money. I just I love talking about UVA sports and doing it with you. So it's been really fun to to do it for these past hundred times yeah i mean couldn't couldn't have said it better um obviously like you know for people who do listen uh or even for people who don't you know both of us grew up like virginia fans dustin you uh-huh. being from charlottesville uh i was from roanoke but made the trek up pretty much every fall weekend for football games and at uva you know you were who crew president um you know even added a fifth year in there um victory lap victory lap uh, you know, I was in Who Crew with Dustin, which is how we know each other. And then um, also sports editor. Yeah, Cav sports Daily. editor of Cav Daily. So obviously something we've cared about for a while. And, um, you know, as as I came out of college, um, especially that first year out when, um, you know, just working investment banking hours was absolutely terrible. Um, and, you know, just kind of looking, you know, you go from college where it's so social and where, you know, you're surrounded and able to do your passions kind of, you know, so easily, you know, like I cared so much about UVA sports and it was all literally right there, you know, mm-hmm. free tickets, to every game. I could get interviews with basically whoever I wanted through Cav Daily um, to go from that to graduating college where all of a sudden, you know, you're hours away from Charlottesville, you're living in an apartment, you know, you're not going to games anymore. You're you saying, to, does this bar have ESPN? You have to pay for tickets. Yeah. Yeah. You have to donate money to pay for tickets. Yeah. You can't just buy a ticket. You, <laughs> no, you have to gotta, donate you, money to then pay for You got to reach a threshold. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, obviously this podcast has been great. Um, you know, helping, you know, it's been great, obviously spending time with you like first and foremost. And yeah. then, uh, you know, even beyond that, just giving us like a connection to the community and like, you know, it's been weird this past year because we're not really able to go to games because of COVID mm-hmm. or anything like that. But, you know, I know occasionally, you know, like at the final four, like at football games, some people would be like, oh, you're like guys and tight. Not that many people, but people would be like, oh, the, you're like, y'all the do one guys story guys. you told me was really funny where you tell it best, but Rob was walking down the street and someone just yelled out elder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was, um, this was the Miami football game. So it was right when, um, it was the night game, so it was mm-hmm. a little bit after we started. I think it was October. It was Yar. And, yeah, it was Yar, and we were there. And um, yeah, someone I was just like walking to a tailgate on the lawn, and someone was like, "Yo, like you're you're the guys and ties guy." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he said Elder. It's like that's Elder, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, that was that was a fun moment. Yeah, um, so it gives us like a little bit of connection, you know. As our schedules, as we've gotten farther out of college, our schedules have become. A bit more hectic. I mean, Un- Dustin's engaged. Unpre- unpredictable. Unpredictable. Um, so, you know, we still like to have guests when we can. But, you know, for a time there, we were able to, you know, we had some really great guests on in the UVA sports community as mm-hmm. well. So it's been great. And just interacting with people on Twitter and what have you. So it's it's been a great platform and more than even I could have asked for. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is we've covered probably one of the greatest stretches of UVA sports in a long time, right? Think about the 
national championship in basketball to the national championship in lacrosse, even to the Orange Bowl uh, bid that the football team got the, the fall after that. I feel like that whole year was a crazy time. Like 2019 was a great year for UVA sports, and we were lucky enough to really kind of, I'm not going to say we rode the wave, but we started the fall before. So really we started at the perfect time. We had an emergency pod when Braxton Key became eligible, and that was a key moment in that championship run. I think, you know, honestly, it's been great, and I'm looking forward to the next 100 years of Guys and Ties <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah. I love how you say 100 years, man. I mean. <laughs> 100 more years, guys and ties. I, yeah. yeah, well, it's only been 100 episodes. It's been, what, two and a half years? Uh, yeah, like yeah, two and a half. Yeah, because we're in season yeah, three. Yeah, two and a half. And <laughs> it could have come a lot sooner. You know, we, you know, with COVID, there were several weeks where we were just mm-hmm. like, nothing's happening. We don't even know if anything will happen, but yeah. we know nothing is happening right now. Yeah, it was what, it was what like maybe two months where we really didn't, there was not talk a lot. Yeah. I mean, anything. I mean, that was during, you know, you're vaccinated now, which is awesome. Yeah. I'm not, although keeping a smaller circle, I guess, but Rob, Rob yeah. might never get vaccinated. That is true. <laughs> uh, I don't have my hopes up Group for that. Group Z. Yeah. Group Z. Let's go back to A again. We'll hit Y and then we'll circle back. Yeah. Like anyway. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously there was a lot of times with that too. So, um, no, I mean, it's been great. And obviously, you know, like I, I think the big thing with all of it is, um, you know, for us, we're so passionate about this. So it gives us a platform and a reason to like talk about this and maybe not feel so weird and have give like people a choice. Like, oh yeah, we want to hear Rob and Dustin talk about UVA sports or we don't. So we're not gonna, right. whatever it may be. Um, but no, just having, having the interactions, um, obviously between each other, but with other people and, um, you know, Twitter, the media world, you know, all the above it. It's been a really great experience. Yeah. So it's like the people who listen, make it fun. And the people who interact with us on Twitter, make it fun. So we appreciate everyone who's stuck with us for a hundred episodes. If you've listened to all hundred, good job. I know I haven't. <laughs> well, the first I, episode isn't even out there. No, Not to cut you. That, no. that's just in cyberspace. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Well, good thing. It was, yeah. it was weird. <laughs> it's come a long way. It was a I weird guess. time come a long way and we really found ourselves i think i think we've improved a lot as well i definitely say um less or you know mm-hmm. i'm a big you know guy but we have definitely learned that and but but everyone on like twitter and who listens on itunes or spotify really uh thank y'all for making this worth it because if no one listened we wouldn't I, we would still do it but it wouldn't be as fun yeah because we wouldn't like have to interact with anyone so thank you to everyone who listens and i hope y'all enjoy what we do yeah and also credit to dustin for editing our episodes and dustin 99.9 percent of the time runs the guys and ties twitter account as well so (laughs) Well, i'll slide in every now and then credit to rob for knowing all the stats about football when i don't so (laughs) we balance each other out man. yeah it's good stuff anyway it's been a fun ride. I'm looking forward to the next 100. And thank to thank you to everyone else for sticking around with us and uh, working with us. Uh, we got some fun things planned for the next 100 episodes. We can't say them right now, but uh, <laughs> we will later. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. Anyway, 
I think we're going to end this. This has gone on. This is the long, longest podcast we've had in a long time. So uh, thank you to everyone for sticking around. This is the Ben Guys and Ties podcast. Been good to have Rob with me today. Absolutely. Doesn't always happen because of COVID. Pleasure. Or, you know, he works ungodly hours too. <laughs> but make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and iTunes if you like what you hear. Give uh, give us a follow on, on Snapchat and Instagram as well for all the bonus content out there. And we will see y'all next time whenever we do a pod. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.